you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com around and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, this one is specific to our show, the Around the NFL podcast, so we really need you to take it too. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We don't ask for much. Yeah, this show's free. Yeah. Will you just do us this, Soivis? Again, that's podsurvey.com slash around, A-R-O-U-N-D. Thanks for your help. The Around the NFL podcast. Is sneaky overrated? <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by room filled with some heroes. Nick Shook to my left. Coming off the bench and... Great, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? That was that was a little too on the nose with that that money intro. We were just talking before the show. You know, if if the ratings start struggling or anything yeah. like that would happen, maybe we'll bring in like a, a kid was an idea, like yeah, a five a pre- or six a precocious child to try to boost boost the ratings. If you if you are a listener of the show, <laughs> then out of nowhere, a five year old girl shows up sitting in one of our chairs. Just know, just like on television, when a precocious child shows up in like season eight uh, to, to a desperate attempt to liven up the, the scene, we <laughs> might go that same route. In fact, we're already kicking around ideas for an open audition, perhaps. So We don't need kids. We got a lot of NFL games, some good ones today. Um, wait, is this a little too on the nose to you, Greg? You were trying to pivot out of that fast. Well, I'm just – I want to – Are you afraid that your chair will be filled by the precocious child? Maybe your own daughter. I feel like Ellis <laughs> Rosenthal is the prime candidate here. She definitely has a big vocabulary. I feel like she would do very well uh, <laughs> if we had to replace a Rosenthal at least. Anyway, we don't plan to do that. In fact, it's just Greg and I from the from the main team, and Shook is happy uh, – we're very happy to have Nick here to help us out. Um, Mark Sessler was in 
Uh, is it Carson, California? No, it's uh, – where is the StubHub Center? It's Carson. Is it Carson? Yeah, Carson, California. Checking out the StubHub Center, and he's uh, writing up a piece that you'll be able to check out, uh, I believe, Monday morning on NFL.com. Uh, Wes actually helped out on the website writing some articles, which is another positive step for Chris Wessling as he's inching his way back uh, toward the studio here, and we can't wait to get get him back. Uh, but for now, we uh, we go on. And uh, a lot to get to. Week two of the NFL season, our flagship show, of course, presented by Head and & Shoulders. And one, just one note before we get into the games, because we've got so much to get to. Can't mess around here. Cannot mess around. But I do want to make an announcement. We it's did act- just spend two minutes talking about a child possibly <laughs> replacing one of us. But go on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, but this is an important announcement. In fact, I would go as far as saying it's uh, breaking news. Mm. That's how <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about. The CBS program Scorpion. <laughs> but we're starting. If you've been wondering where it's been in the commercials on CBS, uh, premieres next Monday, uh, September 25th, 10 p.m. Eastern. There you go. That, you didn't think that was worth it? No, for a show that we <laughs> spent three minutes talking about downstairs, and we all, we everyone in the room thought the show was Scorpion called Scorpio, and no one no one corrected. I was aware. I was aware, okay. but I was playing dumb because I didn't want to feel overeager about my knowledge of the show. Okay. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm okay, not sure. We'll yet. I was supposed to. Shows. I was supposed to watch it, but I didn't get. I haven't gotten to it yet. But I just know that it premieres next Monday. Too many games to get to. We got to get on. Greg is antsy, so I know I have to get the show going. So let's start. Uh, heck, let's start in Denver. Simeon under center. Play fakes to nobody. Throws the pass to the end zone. Sanders <laughs> touchdown, Denver. Play fakes to nobody. I feel like that's. That's surprising that that worked. Anyway, the Denver Broncos looked like they're for real. Trevor Simeon threw four more touchdown passes, and the Broncos, no fly zone. Listen, I like Rocky Mountain Avalanche. I'm on record on that. It's maybe something different. But for now, no fly zone carries on. Uh, But it lived up to its uh, reputation in a decisive, heck, a blowout. 42-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Greg, uh, nobody was talking about the Broncos this summer, but I think people should be talking now. They should be, and, uh, you know, hashtag Team Trev is feeling pretty good <laughs> right about now. I was saying we don't know what Trevor Simeon's is that a real thing? ceiling is. Oh, yeah. Oh. At least Claybon is throwing it out there, hashtag okay. Team Trev. But as much as I want to boost up Trevor Simeon for throwing four touchdowns and, and having a very strong game overall, to me the story was the running game. When you watch C.J. Anderson, and it's the healthy, informed C.J. Anderson, and then suddenly you have Jamal Charles coming off the bench, the Broncos – had the dominant running game, and the Broncos' run defense, which was a mess last year, absolutely stopped Ezekiel Elliott eight yards on nine carries. So they've, in back-to-back weeks, stopped Melvin Gordon cold, more or less, stopped Ezekiel Elliott cold, and they're running the ball. They're a much tougher team than they were a year ago, and I don't know if any team in the NFL has had a better two weeks than the Denver Broncos. I was actually surprised by the way they played on the ground because, um, you know, we kind of saw what we were going to get out of Jamal Charles in his little preseason action and a little bit in week one and the potential there from a veteran. But C.G. Anderson, for me, was the big question mark. And then he comes out today, like you said, 118 yards on 25 attempts. He's got a touchdown. And, and you know, any team that runs the ball well is usually going to find success. And another 36 yards and a touchdown. He's one of those guys a little like Doug Martin at you just got to watch week one or two, and it's like, okay, which C.J. Anderson we getting this year? Is it kind of the banged-up one? Is he in shape? No, he's fully healthy, and he really changes that team, takes 
pressure off of Trevor Simeon, which he's going to need. They lost, lost their left tackle, Garrett Bowles, today with what looked to be a serious injury. That's going to be a problem. Mm. But this team, if they have that good a defense, that good a running game, they're going to be able to win games. Greg, you said that the Broncos might have looked better than any team. I will throw out two more teams. They just happen to both play in the AFC West. We're going to get into them in more detail later, but the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders, the, the poor Chargers, we're going to leave them out of this, obviously. But uh, this is the best division in football, and it could be, uh, we're talking an epic uh, division race. That That's absolutely true, but you got to parse the words that I said. I said no team's had a better <laughs> two weeks. The Raiders, you're right, I would say have looked even better, and the Chiefs are right there. But considering where the Broncos Thought, or I thought they would be, and just the things that have turned out well for them. For instance, Shaq Barrett returned to the lineup earlier than expected. People were talking, oh, how they're so thin on the pass rush. He's been their best player through two weeks. He's been great. Uh, Shelby Harris, like they're in their run defense, the fact that they're improving what was their weakest parts on the team from a year ago, that they're now big-time strengths. And to, to demolish the Cowboys? I mean, this is a great Cowboys team. This was like a Cowboys-like performance by the Broncos. The, the Cowboys not being able to even hang in this game. This is simply a performance you did not see all last year. And we talked about it in the offseason. It would be hard to match what they did last year. And I'm not saying the Cowboys are now in trouble. The Broncos might be actually a very good team, although I will add the Broncos started, what, 4-0 last year as Fair. well. So we shouldn't get too excited about Denver either. But I don't know. Like, I, I thought that this was a big game for Dak Prescott. I thought a, a good test for him, a guy that I was saying – Going into the game, how will he fare against a great defense on the road? He hasn't maybe gotten an, enough love, which I thought was strange considering he's a Dallas quarterback. He wasn't ready for that defense. And, yeah, Zeke Elliott, I mean, he did not have any games like this last no. season that I remember. This is just a totally new look for the Cowboys. I also don't recall a Cowboys game in which Dak Prescott was forced to throw the ball 50 times. No, but that's a week, not the formula. But last week, where they won comfortably, they threw it, I believe, four, you know, thirty-nine times, and they did not run the ball nearly as much. Like they went out with, and they tried to spread it out, and I think he made good decisions last week. Didn't play as well as he would like, and then this game it got away from them early. But they were sp trying to spread the Broncos out and attack the Broncos' strength. It just didn't work. And the Cowboys lost two cornerbacks in this game. They were already down Orlando Scandrick, so that should be mentioned. I mean, Manny Sanders, who's just like the best insane route runner, was putting these guys on skates, making them look bad, and uh, a lot of things went against the Cowboys today. I'm not too worried about them. Let's uh, move on. We run a stunt, a pass to the left side. It's intercepted, picked off to the 40, outside the numbers, to the 30, 25, Bobby McClain, inside the five, touchdown Tampa Bay, Robert McClain takes it to the house. Our good friend Gene Deckerhoff. Uh, the Mike Glennon revenge game went sideways, and Jameis Winston threw for 204 yards and a touchdown to lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to an easy, easy 29-7 win over the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bucks looked great after their uh, Irma-forced hiatus, and, and this is kind of the perfect start to their season, uh, a game where they jumped out ahead early, and, and everything seemed to be working. So if you were a fan of the Bucks on hard knocks and – Sometimes it doesn't translate over in the season. So right. I was like, hey, that's not the team I fell in love with. This is basically what exactly you would think how this game would go at home. It's not how I thought it would go. After the Bears played very frisky last week against Atlanta, I thought they would be a tough team to deal with. But it was Tampa's defense, which I, I, I honestly wasn't sure what we're going to get out of Tampa's defense this year going into this season. I, I think maybe they got a little too much hype last year. And yet in this game, it looked – 
like a different Levante David. Uh, Kendall Beckwith, who's a rookie, had a big game. Uh, Quan Alexander. They forced three Mike Glennon turnovers in the first half alone to the point where Jameis Winston and the Bucks offense didn't really have to do too much. They, they ended up being able to sit on that lead, even yeah. without Doug Martin. Yeah, um, you know, uh, just like you don't want Dak Prescott, really any quarterback throwing 50 times, asking when Mike Lennon's throwing the ball 45 times, you know you're in a bad way. And when you have no rushing game, Tariq Cohen, who had, of course, the huge breakout game last week, seven carries for 13 yards. He did have a bunch of catches, but they really didn't get any, anything explosive out of him. Jordan Har- Howard, nine carries for seven yards. So that's 16 carries for 20 yards, and that is not going to get it done. That's just over uh, one yard per carry for all you math <laughs> wizards at home. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I had four yards of carry in my head, so thank you for correcting me on that. Uh, I think with this Tampa Bay defense, you know, Greg, you kind of said maybe it was a little overhyped. I thought the only weakness that they had was in the back end was at, at safety, and then they went out and fixed it by getting T.J. Ward, who kind of fell into their laps. Okay. And then they've got some – I'm not saying overhyped was strong. I didn't know what – they were getting a lot of hype, and I just didn't know what I'm going to see out of this. It's a Mike Smith defense. Uh, Usually it's like, his, it's like his footwear. It doesn't really get me going in the morning. <laughs> uh, is that a Tevis shot? That's a shot at the Tevis. Or Tevis? Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to hit – are you gonna hit shook what you hit me with and make a parse parse words commentary? Oh, on me. No, bang me with a parse words. I'm still recovering. I'm reeling off. So now I gotta parse everyone's words in here. I'm just saying. I, I was saying. I wasn't saying they were the best team in the NFL. They just had the best two weeks. But I'm saying those other teams had a good damn, damn two weeks also. The Raiders are a fair point. I don't know if I can argue with you on that. Uh, anyway, and do we think you know Mike Lennon? Obviously, they're probably overmatched in this game, and now they're zero and two. Uh, don't Mitchell, don't call me Mitch Trubisky. The whispers are going to start get, getting louder. What do you think, Shook? I mean, I think you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt here because the Buccaneers have a sneaky good pass rush, and that's kind of the point I was mm. uh, kind of leaning toward there or working toward, and I don't necessarily think it's on Mike Glennon. However, I don't think that team is also the best team around him, and, and at the <laughs> same time, maybe this becomes a lost season at some point. We're going to see Trubisky well, this is, sooner than later. This is not a team – and that can fall behind in games. I mean, you go to, you know, Kendall Wright caught seven passes. Josh Bellamy caught four. Deontay Thompson caught four. I mean, this is not the uh, 99 Rams trying to come back in games. No, they are not, Greg. Let's move forward. Over the middle, the pass is moving. Running with the football, Davis Bryant. He outruns everybody to the end zone. Beats him to the left pylon. Right to left. 27-yard pitch and catch for Ben and Martavis. Ben Roethlisberger threw two first-half touchdown passes, including that hookup with Martavis Bryant, as the Pittsburgh Steelers ease to a 26-9 win over the Vikings uh, at Heinz Field. You know, they're really trying to bring back the the mystical quality of Heinz Field, they said this week. I didn't know there was a mystical quality What does that even mean? What, who said they are trying to I bring I think it, it was back? Big Ben. They said they want to bring back and make Heinz Field some type of special play. It's not exactly Lambeau Field, guys. Let's calm down. But they aren't they a great home team? I, what am I missing? Were yeah, they bad last year? Or yeah, it's just like this idea that it was like a supernatural home field. I don't, I don't remember that ever being the case. Who cares? <laughs> That's not the point. Twenty six nine win, and uh, Minnesota's chances of winning this game took a major hit before kickoff when it was announced Sam Bradford would be side sidelined with a knee injury. Uh, that led to four more quarters of the old Zeuser watching Case Keenum play football, which. You know, uh, speaking of hard knocks, Case Keenum last year and uh, for the L.A. Rams hard knocks seemed like a very nice guy. His his wife seemed delightful. Uh, I hope everything's going well with them family wise. But do I really need to see more 
games with a starting quarterback, Case Keenum, it, it felt like watching the Rams for stretches mm. in this game. So all that goodwill um, or excitement, if you're a Vikings fan, you could still have that and just think, okay, with Case Keenum, obviously we're not going to move the football. Uh, but there is this other uh, minor issue is that Mike Zimmer, after the game, when asked about Bradford's future, he had a knee injury, it kind of popped up in the middle of the week, uh, and it cost him this game. That there was a comment make, and I don't have the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, he can miss one game, he can miss six games. But he'll be fine. But he'll be fine. And I don't know what that means, but what I do know is that the Vikings season is over if this guy misses six weeks. I thought the Vikings had a great chance to win this game if Bradford was healthy. And the fact that they hung with Pittsburgh really through the first half, I would say, it supports that a little bit. That sure. The, the offensively, for the second straight week, Pittsburgh didn't have to look like Pittsburgh to win comfortably in this game. But there's no – I mean, the Vikings, it, I guess if you're going to take an L, you might as well do it in Pittsburgh with Case Keenum. Like, you might, that's a tough game to win anyways. But this team isn't going anywhere. And it's just sad because that literally last week was the high point of Sam Bradford's NFL career, Isn't it I so believe. fitting? Isn't it so fitting, And he though? didn't even get – it's more concerning that an injury didn't occur in practice. It was just – something after the game in terms of swelling and it's the it's the knee that's been hurt before and that's a major concern he's in a contract here yeah and he's got a history of knee problems so this shouldn't come as that much of a surprise but the way it was kind of dropped on us uh midweek and then today and announced that he wasn't going to play came as a uh, a little bit of a shocker and here's the thing when you're the vikings and you have backup quarterback option last year was sean hill before you traded for bradford and now you have case keenum i mean anytime you lose your that's starting the nfl though there's only the so many good backups like right. I, I don't mind them having case keenum and you have to give some credit to the steelers defense i know they've played Deshaun kaiser and, K- and case keenum in back-to-back weeks but we wanted to see their defense play better and more consistent and take care of business the last few years, and they're, they're getting the pass rush, and they've been good the first two weeks. And you know it has to kill Teddy Bridgewater, who probably is watching that game and thinking to himself, if my knee was just right, if I could have gotten back in a, a year, this would have been my chance to get back in the lineup. But he continues to be out of the picture. And uh, a couple other thoughts about this game. Uh, that Marta- Martavis Bryant had a nice game and a, a productive game, and it lo- reminded me a lot of the guy that – uh, really surprised people and, and became one of the most explosive players in the league uh, two and, years and, ago. And by the way, Steelers fans tweeting at me, pipe down. I didn't say Martavis Bryant was done or anything. They're just like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I thought you said his career is over. He was targeted. I was like, he, I was like he's quiet. Let's see the old Martavis. And- he was targeted four times. He had three catches for 91 yards and, and that touchdown uh, on a day when Antonio Brown was held in check. He was targeted 11 times, just had five catches for 62. And Lev Bell, who just is, was unable to get his numbers at the end of the day, were okay, 87 yards, but it needed 27 carries. And a lot of that, I could understand he's, what makes Lev Bell so special is how patient he is. He waits for it to open up and then darts. And there, it just hasn't opened up yet. So there's a lot of dancing and waiting, and then everything collapses in. I, I, I still ima- imagine that is going to all uh, work itself out, but another slow game for Lev Bell. And uh, finally, my final thought on the game, boys, is uh, yeah, just fun watching Big Ben. He he doesn't care. He, he just throw. There was one sequence where he's like he just threw a bomb to Antonio Brown. 
incomplete. Screw it. Third down. Throws another bomb to Antonio Brown. That didn't work either. This guy just throws the ball downhill, downfield, over and over again. And there's just very few quarterbacks that, that play like Joe Namath in 2017. And it's always fun to watch him. I can tell you you're definitely enjoying the bomb-throwing Big Ben based on uh, your tweet. I think going back to that Bell point, though, it's going to be one of those seasons for him and for Zeke where they kind of work their way into uh, flourishing for both of them, coming off of really great years prior. And also, Bryant today statistically illustrated why we looked at the Steelers as such a threat this year. is because you have Antonio Brown go out and you know catch however many balls for 100-plus yards a week prior. Then they kind of try to shut him down. You go to Bryant the next game. I mean, they right. have so many weapons. How are you going to stop them? They're, they're going to get more than – 330 yards, which is what they had today. They have to be worried that T.J. Watt got hurt. But, again, I think this team has a lot of depth. Uh, they have Bud Dupree having a big game. They have Ryan Shazier. They have Cameron Hayward. So even when Stephon Tuitt, who's one of their better players, goes down, this is not a, a thin team. This is a team that can survive some of the injuries that occur over the course of the year. You mentioned Bud Dupree, who made a big play and then busted out a dance that I will give the name the Erotic Frog. Oh, right. So if the Indianapolis Colts general manager ever asks me my favorite type of frog, I will tell him it is. Well, do you want to ask me? <laughs> What's your favorite type of frog? The erotic frog. Let's move on. He stands in this pressure. He clutches. He throws a lob down the right side for Gronkowski. Oh, yeah. He makes the catch at the 35. Gallop <laughs> into the 20. Me. To the 15. Shakes a defender at the 10. And Gronk <laughs> is into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. <sighs> Is that Tolzak or uh, who is that again? Scott Zolak. Scott yeah. Zol- is that Zolak again? Yeah. Up to his old tricks? <laughs> That's your team, Greg. Not a. Not That's a- your team, Tamposi. It's like a frat rager in the booth up there. It's not a source of, source of pride, <laughs> at least for me. On the throne of ease, Tom Brady threw three touchdown passes, uh, including that deep strike to Gronk. His 69th career score, nice. And the Patriots rolled over the Saints in a 36-20 to win at the Superdome. Uh, was that three or four touchdowns total for, for Tommy? I know he threw three in it the was, first quarter. It was just three. It okay. ended up sticking at three. Tough for fantasy owners who were staring down the barrel of an <laughs> all-time performance in fantasy. But still, a great, great, great showing from Tommy Boy. Uh, Greg Brady had a game's worth of production in the first quarter. and The Patriots got exactly the type of win they needed after that week one letdown. This was one of the best Tom Brady games I've ever seen. It is certainly one of the best Tom Brady halves of all time. And every clown that immediately says, well, it was the Saints. That's the laziest answer to someone that hasn't watched the game. If you watch this game, Tom Brady had about five or six throws in the first quarter where he made outstanding moves in the pocket or he made a beautiful throw. He was five for five on third down. This all with only three receivers on his team, two of which got hurt during the game, Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett, so they were in and out. Mm. And Brady was just playing with some of these Saints safeties, and a lot of these throws had to be right on the money. I'm telling you, if if you watch it, just not many – there are so few quarterbacks in NFL history that would have done that, even though it was the Saints. It was a really impressive bounce back from week one. Brady, 30 of 39, 447 yards. His third, high, his third highest yardage total ever, like I said, in a game where Rob Gronkowski ended up leaving uh, after three quarters – uh, with an injury. They called it a groin injury. Dorsett was out late in the game. Burkhead had a little injury late, like, and yet they were just still moving the ball really at will. I mean, Bra- that's the magic of Brady is that 
he whatever's whoever's in there and this is even before he became a statistical monster he's always made the best of his of his cast around him he completed 30 passes to nine different receivers uh Gronk was targeted nine times at the six for 116 in a touch that's something to watch though I think he injured the groin I believe on the touchdown catch came out of the game later uh, also dropped a touchdown a short touchdown at the end of the uh, uh first half uh and there was a report on NBC from Mike Florio, uh, Pro Football Talk, that the Patriots, uh, at least publicly, are saying it's not thought to be a serious injury or something that's going to cost them extended time. But that doesn't necessarily that's going to mean that's going to be the case. And if you know the Patriots, you know they'll be very tight-lipped about this. But a, who knows a, with Gronk at this point? He's a big question mark every time he gets hurt. It, it is. It's a concern because for a second you got excited that this is the old Gronk with a 53-yard touchdown. Uh, and being physical, he played so well against Kenny Vaccaro that the Saints benched Kenny Vaccaro in the second Ouch. half of the game because he couldn't cover Gronk one-on-one. And I'm thinking he was on top of Gronk on all those plays. Who can cover Gronk one-on-one? I think that uh, was a, a leftover from the week prior when Kenny Vaccaro got burned a couple times against the Vikings too. So I think that's a buildup. And, you know, for the Saints, um, what do you say? I mean, here we go. 0-2 again. The defense, once again, looks like to be a, a major liability. And it's the same thing over and over again at this point. The team that's gone seven and nine year after year, Drew Brees in the press conference afterwards says, you know, this is not acceptable and it's not where you want to be. And it just all start. It feels so familiar, uh, the plight of the Saints now. Always and you, starting slow. Yeah, and you just wonder, uh, you know, how many more years of this we're going to see with Sean Payton, uh, the coach, and, and Drew Brees talking about how they got to – put it together and get a run. Because what usually happens, they do get a run and they get back in position by the middle of the season. But at the end of the day, these slow starts, they they kill you because you can't go into another funk. And now they're staring down the barrel at 0-3 going into next week. And year after year, it always comes back to their defense and, and, and how they've struggled to address these problems, whether they've been well, they try- by the cap or they've missed on some picks. Even your guy, uh, how do you say his last name? Alex Anzalone uh, right. was caught, you know, uh, fishing, I guess, today on a touchdown. On the Gronkowski play, yeah. but that that's kind of what I was talking about. That was an imp- clearly an improvised play where Gronk and Brady both read the same thing. Brady threw it when Gronk was anything but open. He had great pass protection, so you can fault the Saints for that. And that's just two Hall of Fame players kind of coming up with something out of thin air and drilling a rookie who had covered Gronk well on that play. So that's them getting beaten. I would be a little more co- or just as concerned if I'm a Saints fan that the Drew Brees and the Saints offense to me was out of sync for yeah. much of this game. They only had 13 points, I believe, through their first eight drives against a pretty, uh, I think, vulnerable Patriots defense in general. And they couldn't finish drives and the timing was off, whether it was Ted Ginn or Kobe Fleener on one play, just someone, Brandon Coleman, making just a small mistake and Breeze not being like 100% sharp, and they have to be so good on offense to survive with this team. And no running game whatsoever, 54 yards rushing until the till the final garbage time run by Mark Ingram. And keep an eye on this Adrian Peterson, 8 for 26. That's about three yards a carry. And we'll see if this season starts going sideways, what happens next. One, one last thing, or two last things quickly. Patriots maybe. There's no such thing as two last things. All right, two last things. two things works. Patriots might have found a pass rusher in Dietrich Wise, a fourth round draft pick who had four or five QB hits and a sack between him and Trey Flowers. You're how excited he is, Shook. That that's good. He two, wants another ring. Two rookies start. Sure, that was a great performance. <laughs> and then after the game, uh, Tom Brady pointed out that James White. 
He called them one. I've had a lot of great teammates, but James White is absolutely one of the best teammates I have ever had. And James White has really gotten better. Chris Wesley and our friend pointed out on mm-hmm. Twitter that this is a guy that's developed to another level. He was essentially a wide receiver for them today and has made a huge difference. But, um, what a great what a great time to be a Patriots in. All is well. They had to deal with like nine straight days of uncertainty now, but everything's figured out. They were just Erica, one. Greg has a bounce and a step in the newsroom. Erica, you could tell she's just got a grin. Everything, Everything's back to normal, right? They Erica? were down to one healthy receiver, and they got to play on Thursday. So How are they, they going to do it? it out. How are they going to do it? I don't think they can. <laughs> Let's move on. Blacko in the gun. First and goal from the two. Takes the snap. Rolls to the right. Throws quickly. Touchdown, Ravens! Jeremy Macklin on the receiving end. And the Ravens, as time expires, get back in the end zone. Joe Flacco looked good. Jeremy Macklin made a play. And the Ravens' defense was at it again, forcing five turnovers. Four from rookie passer Deshaun Kaiser in route to a 24-10 win over the Cleveland Browns. Um, I believe uh, Erica Tamposi... Uh, Mark Sessler locked this one up, so we probably should do a little housekeeping here. A little housekeeping. In Mark's defense, I mean, that's bold. It's housekeeping. He's not going to listen to this anyway. Shook, uh, this had been billed as a season, or, you know, still has been billed as a season of rebirth for the Browns, but this one... Felt like just another double shift at the Factory of Sadness. I feel like I'm taking the blow for that uh, housekeeping there. I felt that <laughs> one in my chest. The Browns. <sighs> Nick Shook, for, for our listeners, should, it, we should point out that you, too, are afflicted with the Browns. Um, yes. More conventionally, though, he advantage. was born in Ohio and raised yeah. in Ohio. Born and raised in Akron, Ohio, and spent many, many sad Sundays in Section 149, Row 3, Seat 1 at there you the Brown Stadium. <laughs> and, uh, and how old are you, Nick, just so the audience knows? I am 25 years old. Okay. And how long have the Browns uh, been back in the NFL? Uh, what's this, 2017? 18 years. Okay, do the math, everybody. I was at the first game at that stadium. Anyways. You don't know Bernie Kosar. (laughs) No, I was just a, uh, you know, not not exactly a a person. Go ahead, Shook. So uh, (laughs) tell tell me. Clinton, Daddy Shook's eyes. (laughs) Tell tell (laughs) us all, tell us all why the Browns uh, uh, were so thoroughly uh, overmatched on Sunday. That's the correct way to say it. Uh, Well, you've got to start with Deshaun Kaiser, uh, who took a major step back this week. Uh, everything was positive. The sun was shining. Everybody was excited about mm-hmm. the Browns after last week and their close loss because the bar is very low. But Kaiser did not look as sharp this week. He was a, about a full beat behind in the pocket, holding onto the ball too long, uh, not getting out of the pocket, and making some decisions that just really, really didn't uh, didn't bode well for them. He threw three interceptions, and this is most of those coming after he returned from having a migraine. He had a migraine that kicked him out of the game. And uh, hmm. in relief, Kevin Hogan, who uh, started a little controversy with one quick drive for a touchdown, then fell apart as well because the quarterback situation there is dire as usual. It is what it is. Uh, but on the other side, the Ravens, I mean, their defense is playing extremely well. Uh, Joe Flacco had more of an expanded role in the passing game for once. He All right, how did Flacco ball. look like physically? Uh, Watching week one, I, I, and I didn't get to it until later in the week, I left that game thinking – Oh boy! Like I would be a little worried if I was a Ravens fan, just because he the way he was. Oh mo- no! He was moving like a guy who had a back injury. How did he look today? I kind of thought that at times too, especially when he was trying to evade pressure. But he was mostly accurate. Uh, his numbers. He he was. I think he was in the thirties. Uh, yeah, it looks good. About seven yards per attempt yeah, too. Yeah. And uh, except for a few times when he threw a ball up that was basically an arm punt that was intercepted. 
he looked pretty effective for the most part, but he did kind of look stiff in those throws. That yeah, he made. I think I thought he looked good. He when he rolled to his right, and I believe it was the Macklin touchdown. Uh, he showed he was able to to move. But at the end of the day, you look at the Ravens, and we talked about if they're going to have a big season, it's going to be riding that defense and 337 total yards of offense uh, today, and they didn't light it up last week either. So the defense got the job done, and this is what you expect. If you have, if you really do have a premium defense and a rookie quarterback comes into your building, uh, this is what you're expecting. Uh, so I wouldn't – you know, I know there's going to be a lot of Browns fans. I don't know if Mark's one of them, um, and I'm, I'm curious where you come down on this, Shook, that uh, I, I don't feel any differently. I think this still – kind of points to a season potentially of growth for the Browns. But there's some things I don't like. I don't like how grisly the quarterback's performance was here. I don't like that they they suffered injuries. Corey Coleman now, this is the second year in a row. Uh, we're talking about Corey Col- Coleman suffering a hand injury. Uh, Jamie Collins, who they just gave a lot of money to, and they're expecting him to make plays. He hasn't made a lot of plays for Cleveland, and he left this game with a concussion. So there are some things to start to get nervous about now that all of a sudden – all that positive vibes. It's 0-2 is 0-2. This is one of those games where in the last six minutes when the Browns are down by two possessions, I was kind of sitting there just watching going, let's get this game over with to mm. avoid injuries on either side. And that's when the Browns actually incurred most of those injuries. So oh that's gosh. the worst. You're right. It's really bad when it comes to that. But I, I had them at 4-12 and going into the season uh, overall, you know, to finish the season with a height, a maximum height of 6-10. and uh, anything below four and twelve, you're talking about maybe a coaching change, which would be really bad for this entire regime, sure. considering it's a multi-year rebuild. It's only one week, though. Yeah, yeah. And- I, if I'm a Ravens fan, though, I'm excited about the fact that yeah, I'm winning games with Buck Allen as the lead running back, and Alex Collins and Terrence West, you know, is out of the line. So far in two games, I just did the math. I, I would have scored a lot higher than thirty-nine on the uh, New York State man yeah. math test. Yeah. 12, 12 targets for Mike Wallace and Brashad Perriman over two weeks. 12 targets, a total of 20 yards from those two players. And yet they're Is winning. Is that good? That's not good, but oh. I think this team has upside. They have players that can be better on offense. I think they're going to figure the offense out as they go. And if they're winning games and their defense is this good as they go, that's a team with a high ceiling. Yeah, I thought there was going to be one team in the AFC North that would be um, – you know, the, you know, the Browns are rebuilding. There would be a team that was kind of next to the Browns and not really in the mix. I thought that was going to be the Ravens, and I thought the Bengals were going to be okay. Now it, it looks like those two teams are going to flip, uh, uh, you know, realities, at least in the way I saw it coming. So the Ravens look great, and if their offense does click and, and just get to the marginal level, get to the mediocre, because I don't think they're there yet, they're going to be I okay. I mean, C.J. Mosley – just the fact they have huge difference makers at every level of the defense. Like their their linebackers are playing really well. Their defense, like all three levels, they can make plays. I think they have a chance based on that running game. You know, we talk about how Alex Collins, Buck Allen, they both looked pretty good, and they didn't mm-hmm. go down after the first hit, which is saying something for that o- offense. If the Ravens are uh, one of the best defenses or the best defense in the AFC, the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. staking a claim as the NFC's best defense. Let's check in on them. Here we go, fourth and 11. Bills at the 33-yard line. The snap. Taylor looks downfield. They flood the field with receivers. he got a man open, Zay Jones, and he can't make the catch at the four-yard line. Zay Jones got both hands on it at the four. It was up high. He could not bring it down, and that will do it with nine seconds left to play. <laughs> That's the Bills call for sure. Bills rookie Zay Jones couldn't come down with a slightly errant pass from Tyrod Taylor, allowing the Panthers to escape with a 9-3 win uh, in an uninspiring effort uh, by both sides in Charlotte. 
uh, overall. Uh, this was a costly win for the Panthers, too. Tight end Greg Olson, uh, who's been the heart and soul of that passing game for years, will be sidelined indefinitely mm-hmm. after suffering a broken foot uh, after the game. Uh, Olson, who started 81 straight games for that team, third most in history of the Panthers, said, I'm going to miss a lot of games. So that's a big bummer. And uh, Cam Newton, again, looked very rusty. And his accuracy remains a major concern. Uh, he misfired, and this was the low point of his game, which was, uh, I believe, the last pass he threw of the day. He misfired on what was a gimme touchdown uh, to Christian McCaffrey. Should have been a two-yard touchdown. Would have iced the game late in the fourth quarter. Opened the door for the Bills down 9-3. And, uh, God, it's tough being a Bills fan. It has to be tough because after the, all had this a chance fight, on that play. All, after all this fight, the defense – Putting it up, putting up such an incredible fight all game, and keeping the offense in the game, they they cross over into Carolina territory, and they just cannot make plays. Zay Jones, I think, should have had the ball. You should have, it should have been ball at the two yard line with I don't know what it had been thirty seconds or so left. Maybe even a touchdown. Maybe they get in, uh, maybe they don't. Uh, but that's what that's the difference between good and bad teams. And you wonder, guys, if uh, the Bills, and I know Tyrod Taylor is not is not all to blame, but how much rope he has in Buffalo. He threw for 15 yards in the first half, and they had one first down in the first half, and they scored three run, three points after scoring 21 against the Jets last week. The Bills have problems on offense. They do, but I think they're playing, as you said, one of the best defenses in football. I, I said it going into the season that on paper, Rivera, I think this is the defense he's really been building to the whole time he's been there. I know they had a 15-1 and one team, uh, but I think – the potential of this defense is even greater. When you have Julius Peppers coming back to the flow and getting a couple sacks in the mix too with with Thomas Davis still making plays and then the younger players on this defense also stepping up, they're going to be a lot. I mean, look, (laughs) we've talked about defense kind of winning the day early in this NFL season. The Bills had 176 yards. The Panthers only had 255. Those are games. What a that, game to watch, guys! Those, those are games we were not seeing in in 2016 too often, and they're happening right. a lot more often. Yeah, I, I think uh, the Bills are in a weird position for me as a franchise. I know we're only in week two of the season, but they have some signs of a team that could either go a few changes away from being competitive again, or they could be a few changes in the opposite direction away from blowing the whole thing up. They're caught in the gray. They're caught in the gray. And Cam Newton, something to watch. He got his ankle twisted. It was the same ankle he's had surgically repaired. He said after the game that he kind of stopped himself. He said, I don't even want to say what I originally thought it was, but was otherwise seemed relieved um, that it wasn't more serious. But I thought it was telling, and maybe it was because he got dinged up. Uh, but that drive I, I mentioned early on when uh, they had first and goal from the one-yard line, uh, with a chance uh, to make it 13-3 and, for all intents and purposes, end the game. Uh, that is prime. If you've been watching the Panthers the past five years, Newton, one of their little gadget plays where he just – not even gadget play, call play, and Newton sneaks it in, either on a draw or getting behind the, a center or a guard. Speaking of guards, Marshall Yanda got hurt uh, for the Ravens, and that that we'll see how serious that is. But in this case, uh, with the Panthers, Newton never tried a running play. Never tried a running play. Uh, they passed it, uh, did a run and a pass, and it didn't work out. So are they still going to use him the same way? Is his body okay enough to use it the way they used to? We'll see. He was one of the best short yardage 
backs in the league. I know he's a quarterback, but he's one of the best short yardage players in the league. The numbers say it. It's what made their offense and running attack so special. It's been surprising to see uh, Christian McCaffrey bottled up for the first couple of weeks. This has also been a season where we've kind of worried about franchise quarterbacks with Newton and Luck. So I'm not totally surprised to see that they're not running him at all. Does that affect their offense and how many things oh, they can do? Definitely Absolutely. does. And just to put a bow on it, the the Ravens did uh, to circle back announce Marshall Yonda, who a lot of people believe the best guard in football. Meant to mention that during the, the Browns game is out for the season, which is a, oh, a monster loss. That's a big loss. Uh, let's move on. He's up. He's got plenty of distance. He missed it, and he missed, he missed it. it. He missed the kick. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's like a bunch of grandpas all fired up. A failed field goal conversion has felled the Chargers for the second time in six days. Young Waiku's 44-yard attempt sailed wide right with seconds to play a sour ending for the Chargers in their Los Angeles debut. A 1917 win for the Dolphins, who get out of Dodge with a victory. That was actually the Hodgson family's reaction <laughs> watching from the crowd. They went to the, see their beloved Dolphins. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Handsome Hank. Uh, Nick Shook, uh, Coos, Coos failure shouldn't overshadow the heroics of Cody Parkey, who's 54-yarder with 105 to play served as the difference. Cody Parkey, who was a kicker who in Miami last year couldn't make a game winner. Just mm. a little flashback to that. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he made three field goals down the stretch that was huge for a Miami offense that continually struggled to get the ball in the end zone when they really needed to. And the Chargers gave him as many opportunities as they'd like. But credit to the Los Angeles defense for standing tall inside the red zone. But really, this game comes down to why couldn't the Chargers hang on to the lead? Because they had a 17-10 lead for what seemed like an eternity and completely abandoned the run game. I know they mm. weren't doing well on the, run, uh, on the ground to begin with, but when you have a lead and you're at home and you're in your home opener in a new stadium, bleed some clock. And they didn't do that. And it came back to bite them in the end because they gave the Dolphins enough time to get down into field goal range and nail one. For the Chargers fans that followed the team and stayed with them, you know, up the five, you know, freeway into Carson, this has to just feel so ridiculously familiar that you get into another fourth quarter and you go punt, punt, missed game-winning field goal to end the game while you give up two scoring drives to the other team. It's the exact, it's the exact same thing of what's been happening now for a year, and after a while, I, it. It's got to make you go crazy if you're a, if you're Philip Rivers, if you're a Chargers player, right? It was making me go crazy, and I'm I just barely adopted that. Well, you, I mean, you were all down in I'm the newsroom. In. You were a, I was you were a mess. You were like so emotional, and uh, I get it. I get it because if it's a team that you, imagine actually Coo. being a That's fan, what I'm though, saying. you'd be dying and, and be... seeing Koo miss it. And I was going a little crazy, not to cut you off, yeah. about uh, the game management at the end of the game, Anthony Lynn settling for that field goal when he had more time. It's okay to try to get the ball further. This isn't Herm Edwards right. or the Marty Schottenheimer school of football where, oh, let's just, once we get a 45-yard field goal, let's stop playing football and make it as hard as possible on the rookie kicker who, by the way, just barely made an extra point and missed a kick from the exact oh. same distance oh, by, earlier. Oh, by the way, yeah, it, it brought back flashbacks for me for Doug Bryan in the 2004 right. AFC playoffs. You do not listen. You don't. You have your quarterback slide over and, and to set up the right hash mark for your field goal kicker when you're kicking a chip shot. When it's like that, but when you're sliding, doing that slide where you snap it and like two, take two steps, you have 25 and go down, seconds. Yeah, you you do that 
you don't do it setting up a 44-yard field goal because I know the kicking game has come a long way in the NFL and a 44-yarder is a lot more solid an attempt than it used to be, but that is not a gimme. You're much better off trying to like a li- – and you got Phillip Rivers, who's one of the most accurate co- pa- passers in the league. Who is moving the ball. Moving the ball. He's 31 of 39 in the game. You, all you do is do a little post route. You get like two or three yards. You make that – you stop the clock. You spike it. You, you trust them. Yeah, well, it's, you just don't do that because guess what? The football gods – who are probably already annoyed about the San Diego thing, let's be honest. He moves over to slide a a little bit to the right, and then the kicker misses wide right. My goodness, and I hope that kicker has a job because I I know know a lot of people are rooting for the kid. I am. It sucked the way things ended last week when he actually made the game-tying attempt in his first game only to see the, the, the ice timeout that Colleen Wolf loves so much. Hope you were happy breaking that guy's heart, Connie. And now he's missed another kick, and you wonder if his job's safe now. That's football. I do give credit for Rivers uh, to Rivers for handling it like a pro after the game because oh he's used of, to this instead of getting questions about oh how heartbreaking was another last second loss because they lost to the Dolphins you know on one of the final plays last year too with the Kiko Alonso pick six which pretty much wrapped oh that one up gosh. happened to him that again was the this one that year. ended their season yes yeah. exactly and then and then he goes in the press conference this year and instead of getting questions about the game so much he's getting asked about how'd you feel about the atmosphere what was it like to have a bunch That's of annoying. Dolphins fans in the stand That's right. annoying especially off a loss yeah. and he, and he said there was a lot of Dolphins. Like, like, I like the energy. Yeah. There's a lot of Dolphins fans, but we're used to it, essentially. Big, big concern for them that they can't get any running game going, by the way. Melvin Gordon, 9 for 13. I thought you were going to say it was a big concern that they got 25000 in that building for their first game. Not a sellout at the StubHub Center. And we'll hear from Mark Cecil on Tuesday, who's there covering the game. And, by the way, one positive for the, the Chargers, Antonio Gates finally got that elusive 112 touchdown. He's now the all-time NFL leader at tight ends. Congrats to Antonio Gates, who did you know, guys? Used to play college basketball. And welcome back, Jay Cutler. A look for redemption, left to right, clean snap and spot, right-footed kick. It's in the air, it's got the leg, and it's good. Phil Dawson connects from 30 yards out, and he redeems his mistake at the conclusion of regulation. Phil Dawson's 30-yard field goal in overtime served as atonement. I like the way I describe it better after a miss at the end of regulation. And the Cardinals escaped Indianapolis with a 16-13 win over the Jake Brisket-led Colts. Shook, uh, we won't be handing out lollipops to a Cardinals team that needed five quarters to beat the Colts, but Carson Palmer and company will take any comeback victory that comes their way. Man, it was a battle of ineptitude. I mean, both teams were just not very good for most of the afternoon. For a while, it looked like Mr. Brisket was going to get that elusive W until uh, <laughs> we got down to the final moments, and Phil Dawson couldn't hit the game winner, which, as you said, nice atonement in overtime to yeah, hit the bro. game winner. And knock it, uh, uh, send them home with a W. Uh, I think kind of a big win for the Cardinals just because – it would have looked really bad for them to lose to the oh, Lions done. on the road. If and they then, lose to the Colts on the road with Andrew Luck in a sling or whatever, it's like, yes. it's over. Absolutely. And I also think it's still an uphill battle for them. But, hey, you know, they're treading water. They they didn't have John Brown in this game. I mean, this is this is not the Cardinals' passing attack that we knew. John Brown's not there pretty often. David Johnson, obviously, is not there. You know, you have Jerron Brown as your second Receiver, he had 11 targets, but only four catches in the game. You never know how a season's going to go. That's why these wins, sometimes early, you you always can turn it around. But they're going to be on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys uh, next week. Game I'm going to. And they they have some tough sledding coming up. Um, Shook, I do have a question. So Carson Palmer um, was tracking other games more closely during this game. And and his numbers at the end of the day look okay, 19 to 36, 332 yards. He threw a touchdown, had a pick, but 9.2 yards per attempt. This is a game my tweet deck was just filled with people putting Carson Palmer underground uh, and moving on as a franchise. Even my 
buddy Jason Zumwalt, who's a huge Cardinals fan, had a, uh, a, a tweet along the lines of blow it up and start over. Uh, <laughs> did he get hot? Is that because his numbers look okay to me? Super inflated by the second half. It was so bad in the first half, uh, Bruce Arians basically threw him under the bus to the sideline reporter who came out with Whoa, the- That very rarely happens, by the way. <laughs> Scathing sideline report to open the second half saying ah. that uh, Carson Palmer was the problem and oh, that they geez. needed to get him fixed and all kinds Bruce. of things like that. You know, I love Bruce Arians, yeah. but, like, you know, Bruce is pretty wild sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was uh, pretty wild there, too. I, I, mean, I think they're, they're feeling the heat. I mean, they kind of – I think they all have it in this head that they have to make this season count, and right. you're suddenly down at halftime against the Colts, and it's feeling like, wow, this is a long season ahead. It does make a huge – it does make it a huge win just to get it, get it in there. You never know. I guess, yeah. I guess I'm just saying, like the sideline report. Everybody yes. knows it's silly and ridiculous, and probably doesn't need to exist. If I was the coach, I would go the Greg Popovich route. I would like send it up and be subversive about it, and not actually be roasting my quarterback to the the, the country. I don't no, know. you keep that stuff in house. I do have to give credit to JJ Nelson, who stepped up uh, with his other teammates out. Five catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. And should have had two touchdowns if he could have gotten a little quarter of his foot inbounds. Nick, uh, it's very big of you to give a shout out to JJ Nelson. Let's move on. <laughs> Russell takes a shotgun snap, looks, now he's got to scramble, now he looks straight ahead, still scrambling, moves to the left side, throws to the end zone, it's caught, is he in, he is, touchdown, Seahawks! That Paul Richardson touchdown catch with 7.09 to play was the difference for the Seahawks, whoever came, whoever came another subpar performance on offense to squeak past the 49ers, 12-9 to at the clink. These are the games that Daddy was watching today. You got, you got the offensive challenge, offensively challenged games. I got twelve nine, mm. I got nine three, <laughs> and then my favorite team lost forty five twenty. So let's you know. Hey, spoiler alert! Let's play the game. I didn't say who it was. <laughs> if you're new to this podcast, you have no idea which team I'm talking about. Um. Anyway, Seattle snapped a streak of more than 112 minutes without a touchdown with that score. That's the type of stuff that gets offensive coordinators fired in uh, Nick Shook's home state. Uh, but for the Seattle Seahawks, I think they're willing to write it off and, and expect this to be the start of better things. The Seahawks started last season in a very similar fashion, uh, basically going one and one to start the year with absolutely no offense. They've traditionally started slow for whatever reason. The issues remain the same. The players are different, though. The fact that Chris Carson guy that we talked about a lot in the preseason was the one closing out the game here that Eddie Lacy's a healthy scratch healthy scratch they said after the game Pete Carroll said we wanted to get Thomas Rawls kind of into the mix slowly he'll get more and more work as as he goes like it's it's pretty telling that Carson is the one out there and had a pretty good day from the looks of it car he he made a number of big plays on the ground I mean he's not explosive he's not making you think this is Marshawn Lynch in his prime but 20 for 93 and and move the chains and put them in good down and distance situations uh Thomas Rawls who you a lot of people thought he would end up winning this battle and be their their bell cow maybe that happens but it makes you think that they still don't think he's right he had um just five carries for four yards in this game so you know I think I think they'll figure it out. I'm shaking a little bit. My confidence is definitely shaking. Two teams that I thought were going to have really strong offenses this year, uh, Cincinnati and Seattle, and in both cases it's kind of a mess right now. Uh, Seattle I feel more strongly about them getting it together, uh, but it was they were just good enough to beat the 49ers at home, and to me that's a little bit alarming 
they got to show us something going forward. I have a feeling we're going to continue to see a little bit of a revolving door in the backfield just because we've seen in the past that Pete Carroll's not afraid to go with the guy who he thinks is going to work best on a week-to-week basis. Hmm. And I think this was no different. Uh, but, yeah, what's up with the, the Seattle offense and a lack of points and also a little bit of a leaky offensive line for the second year in a row? And also what happened to the uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense will travel. And, you know, Brian Hoyer, maybe he's not a superstar, but he'll put up numbers in that offense. Not, some, not so far. Has not scored such that. First of all, quarterback throwing for 99 yards in four quarters is grim. A, we don't even – this is sub-Gabbard zone, 3.7 yards per attempt. That's hard to watch. That Seahawks defense has shown up for eight quarters. So that, that so far, they're exactly what we expected. Let's uh, move on to the AFC. Here's Henry on the left side to the 15, to the 10, breaks a tackle to the 5, barrels his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! <laughs> He's a grown man. Uh, Derek Henry, Delaney Walker, and Jalston Fowler all rush for touchdowns in the Tennessee. Did I got that right? Jalston? I like that. Yeah. All rush for touchdowns, and the Tennessee Titans had no problem pulling away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. A 37-16 to win. And uh, I guess there's two big picture takeaways from this for me, guys. The Titans do a not, they take care of business, do a nice job washing out that week one loss, which was probably a little bit humbling to lose at home to the Raiders. Uh, and then the Jaguars, welcome back to earth. After, you know, we, we in this very studio, I remember there being conversations. Oh, well, you know what? I'm buying in on this team with their defense and running game. Maybe but they're they get, one and one. You're trying to maybe, totally buy no, out. You don't no, know. No, no, no. Uh, well, you can't buy out if you never bought in. What I'm saying is in the NFL, and I know this is the new dominant defense NFL. Everybody get excited for this year. But at the end of the day, you cannot hide your quarterback. And Blake Bortles, here we go again, uh, throws two more picks and, and is, is just not the answer. And any time, Greg, they get in a deficit, they're going to need their quarterback to make plays. Right. It was – this the the final score feels misleading because it was six three at halftime, but the Titans' offense basically woke up, did what they wanted to do in the second half. I think you have to give a game ball to our friend Chris Wessling. Maybe, Let's do it. Maybe a second one to Dan Hansis, and I'll explain why. The <laughs> okay. first one to Chris Wessling at halftime. He's saying Eric Decker not really looking great. Demarco Murray not looking too good. Let's get the ball more to Derrick Henry and Tywan Taylor. So what happens in the second half? They get the ball to Derrick Henry, and he really picked up that running game, gave it some juice, made it possible for them to control the ball. Tywan Taylor didn't have a monster second half by any means, but they got him the ball a few more times, including a 42-yard gain. He adds a little juice where Decker looks like a guy that maybe, in Wes's words, might have left a little something on the operating table. We'll see long term. Okay, so that get was, to me. Get to me. So that was good adjustment. And then Dan Hansis gets a game ball, too. <laughs> because why? he why, said, why, why? he said, if you want me to stop calling you the Titans, then you got to come in and you got to show up with a big performance <laughs> and uh, just put this team away. And what did they do? Thirty-seven, sixteen. They're not. They're the Titans. So you're saying they I, I motivated them? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Well, if we're going to talk about names, All right. what, what happened to Saxonville? That's a game ball. Uh, you, really, you set me up there. <laughs> what happened to Saxonville? If we're getting rid of Titans after this week. What, what happened to Saxonville? <laughs> well. I think they held on for as long as they could, and Bortles and the Jags' offense had turnovers in three straight drives, setting up short fields, and after a while, you can only do so much. It bummed me out because I spent a couple hours uh, watching the Jags' Week 1 film and giving them all kinds of credit for their offensive line, mm. and this week it fell flat. I, I'm checking out the Tennessee Titans' 2017 schedule. I'm not ready to call it. I'm not dropping Titans. I want a big win. It's not difficult. Their entire division has a nice schedule in division, out of division. They're fine. How about this? At home against the Seahawks, a team that we know is a very good team but maybe struggling a little bit on offense, 
Give me a W there. Am I, is that asking so much from the Titans no. to win that game? No excuses. No, oh, well, it's a tough opponent. No, you're in your building. You're facing a team that has not been able to get on track yet. Win that game, and we'll revisit this. Okay. Save it for the Week 3 preview pod. <laughs> what about if they get that win? Are you going to keep it going? Probably, because it's good. It's good podcast. And, right. and, and if that happens, like Marcus Mariota can't have a, a first half like he had against Jacksonville. They just kind of didn't show up, couldn't move the ball at can't all. Can't do it. Can't do it. Let's move on. Intercepted by Foster. And he will slide down at the 19. Mason Foster stepped in front of a Jared Goff pass with less than two minutes to play, ensuring the Redskins would escape L.A. A little Kurt Russell bit there. With, 20, with a 27-20 win over the Rams, minutes earlier, the Redskins, because you could tell by that call how exciting that play was, a major point of the game. <laughs> uh, minutes earlier, the Redskins had taken a lead on a Kirk Cousins touchdown pass to Ryan Grant. Um, this was not the same Redskins team that stumbled their way to a week one loss at home. And I'll tell you what, Greg Rosenthal, I am very happy uh, that we removed our locks on the Rams because Ooh, that's right. The Rams, like the Jags, came down to earth in week two. They did. Maybe we got a little too excited. And uh, you have to point out, as as our friend Chris Wessling did on the write up again, he's back in the mix. Right. Give him another game ball. It's two All right. Let's get the game ball. Uh, he pointed out how Rob Kelly and Chris Thompson both really got it going. They had 167 yards rushing at the half. So they controlled this game on the ground and kind of took, I wouldn't say the Rams' hearts that way, but it really settled down a passing attack that wasn't as good last week and set up the passing attack for success. I was worried late, you know, with, with the Rams driving that, that Kirk Cousins was going to do a Kirk Cousins thing and, mm. and throw a pick or, you know, whatever he, he might do. I have a buddy who calls him Kurt when he plays like that and, instead of Kirk. So, Is he the GM? Yeah, that's the president of the oh, team. The Are you president? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I was glad to see him uh, follow through. Hey, Bruce, it's Nick. Vegas? Vegas. <laughs> Palms? Bowling alley sweet. Go ahead. <laughs> Here's the thing with the Rams, though. We kind of had to expect a game like this against the Redskins. Obviously, it's early. We don't really know everything about every team, but we do know a little bit about the Colts, and the Rams weren't going to look that good this week. Right, and the Redskins knew they had to get this game. Suddenly, the entire NFC East, if the Giants win Monday night, is 1-1, one and one, so that's a big win for them. It's not like anyone's panicking. Goff in this game... I would say probably still looked better than just about any game he looked last year. He looked professional. Todd Gurley had uh, a very nice game. Chris Wessling wondering if it's going to be a comeback year. 136 yards from scrimmage. That's the most he's had since 2015. And making plays, uh, being a little more decisive, beating defenders to the edge. Even on his touchdown, he he leapt over. He had a leap over a defender, um, the former hurdles champion in college. So that's kind of the Todd Gurley we've been waiting to see. For, for what, a year and a half now, so, so that's maybe big. that's a sign of good things. The Redskins lost Rob Kelly, Fat Rob, in this game, a mm. two-lane grad. Ryan Grant, by the way, scored that touch on another two-lane grad. They're just loaded <laughs> with them on Washington. They lost their right tackle. They lost Jordan Reed at one point. He was in and out, so they got some injury concerns. Save it for the unsung heroes of two-lane podcast, Greg. Yes, me, uh, and, me and Sean King hosting. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. And then Seth Roberts, car going to lob one right side. Uh, Crabtree, comeback catch, and he's in the end zone again. Touchdown! Blurred. 
That was one of three Michael Crabtree touchdowns from David Carr's. The Raiders took care of business, a 45-20 home victory over the completely overmatched New York Jets, who we can go ahead and probably remove from the, quote, in the hunt list for an AFC playoff spot. Uh, this game, you know what? This game was actually competitive for two quarters, into the third quarter even, I'd say. Uh, it was um, the play that really changed the game was late in the second quarter. The, the Raiders got up 14-zip. The Jets scored 10 points. Josh McCown and Jermaine Curse, who's looking like a nice little player for the Jets, by the way, two touchdowns. Uh, it was 14-10. And then somebody named Khalif Raymond muffed a punt for the Jets, uh, gave the Raiders the ball at, at, at right near the goal line. They punched it in 21-10. And for all intents and purposes, game over. I hate to point this out, cause, but I don't feel as bad because I know you feel – you know, dead inside on <laughs> yes. some level about yes. the Jets that right before that punt, when the Jets got the stop and it looked like worst case, they're going into halftime close. You said, yeah, this is all you can ask of the Jets. They're, they're not embarrassing themselves. They're not embarrassing. <laughs> and then the next play, the ball, they embarrass themselves. Yeah. I also said David Carr. It was Derek Carr. Um, yeah, that, and that's, that's the thing. It actually, I thought they were going to get out of there with their dignity, but then what happens is, is, you know, they just break down because there's such they're just two different, totally different leagues, the Jets and the Raiders. And and the thing I guess would be the most disappointing um, from the Jets standpoint is their defense looks very bad. And especially the run defense continues to get carved up. They're missing tackles. And when you have an offense that we know is limited, if the defense is going to be a lower third unit in the league, mm-hmm. that's when you start getting worried about whether you're going to get a win. That, that, that's the magic potion because this isn't a special – the special teams for this team isn't isn't special either. So It's funny. Yeek. You, you take them out of the in-the-hunt category. That's usually where the Browns reside is out of the in-the-hunt mm. category mm-hmm. after a couple wins. And, and then you bring up the whole, you know, maybe not getting a win or being worried about getting a win. This might be one of those seasons for the Jets. But on the other side, for the, Ra- for the Raiders, excuse me, I'm really excited somewhat about – this trend of putting wide receivers in the backfield. We First it was Ty Montgomery, then it was Michael Campanero with the Ravens today, and then it was also Cordell Patterson with the Ra- Raiders. Three carries, 57 yards, including a big jaunt right up the middle. They're I- using Patterson in interesting ways, the f- ways that the Vikings never knew how to unlock him. And and he is one of the best special teams players in the league. I, I remember writing down last week just like what a great signing he's going to be for the small amount of money, and that's before they're using him like this. They just got players upon players. Jalen Richard was only in the game for 17 snaps, and he somehow ended up with 109 yards on eight touches. I mean, he is an explosive player, and he's like the eighth guy you think of. Derek Carr, it's very early, but I feel like Derek Carr is you know, starting to build the base of what could be a really special season. Like he, He's one of those guys that you would think is going to be in the mix for some hardware at the end of the year. Now, if you're um, Team Trev, I think you'll be the first to admit you were a little slow to get on the Derek Carr train. Absolutely. I was so wrong about Derek Carr, especially after his rookie season. He looks great. He looks. He's looked tremendous both weeks now. And um, and one one last note from the uh, Raiders side of things: Marshawn Lynch again looked like Marshawn Lynch. Numbers don't jump out at you, but he scored his first touchdown in a couple of years. And in what was really a nice moment, especially when you remember that we're running out of time now for the Raiders in Oakland. Um, after they uh, went ahead uh, by three scores, I believe, and the game was put away, they 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 show the camera, CBS cameras caught Lynch just dancing like a maniac on the sidelines, swinging his dreads around completely like that old thing, dance like no one else is watching. <laughs> there was like 80,000 people watching him because they put him up on the, the Jumbotron, and the entire stadium is losing their shit. 
and, and enjoying the moment and enjoying Lynch. And uh, I'm sure it, for if you're, you know, some Jets fans or, or some football fans, you might not like that display by Lynch, but that's exactly why the Raiders wanted him back to add that just, yeah, the final piece to their offense. But this guy that's almost like a goodwill ambassador to Oakland, uh, the marriage could not be going better um, two weeks in. So 45-20, the Raiders move to 2-0. Uh, let's move on. Now a quick getting draw. Kareem Hunt at the 40-yard line. Angling left 30. He's at the 25-20, 15-10-5. Kansas City, the rookie Kareem Hunt blasts. <laughs> Chiefs rookie Kareem Hunt scored twice, including that 61-yard touchdown you just heard. And uh, travel, Travis Kelsey took a shovel pass uh, 15 yards for a go-ahead touchdown. The Chiefs held on to beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-20. Uh, the Eagles recovered an onside kick late and did have a Hail Mary, but it did not work out. So, Greg, the Chiefs, you know, you can make the argument that the Chiefs are the most impressive 2-0 team in football right now. Two good wins, a game, a strange game, entertaining, 6-3 at halftime, didn't seem entertaining then, and then uh, the floodgates kind of opened offensively, but what really stands out is the Chiefs have different ways they can beat you. They showed that against the the Patriots, and to go toe-to-toe with the Eagles' front defensive line, which played very well in this game, but to actually make a bigger impact even than the Eagles' defensive line, I'm going to give you some stats, Dan. I like stats. Six sacks. Ten tackles for loss. You just don't see that too often. And another ten quarterback hits on top of that. They were in Carson Wentz's grill. So it's not just Justin Houston, who I think has come out of the gate on fire. It was, you know, Chris Jones and uh, Benny Logan who who came over and D Ford and just they're just coming at you in waves. And, and those guys up front really kept this game close and ended up making the difference. Well, think about it. I mean, this is an offense that is multi-layered with a lot of weapons and they're being used in innovative, fun ways. Uh, so that side of the ball is looking good and, and, and the defense is hitting its stride immediately. I mean, it has the makings of a potentially special season for the Chiefs, who a lot of people forget won the division last year and they look just as good, if not better. I also really like that they scored on a shovel pass to Travis. Right. Kelsey. Yeah. I, I mean, like that's the games. thing. The NFL's a strange game and – it turned on a few little plays like Alex Smith just evading. You know, he's very good at evading the rush in the pocket to set up that touchdown uh, or, you know, he could have been taken down. It would have been a field goal. Who knows then? And also, you know, the, the game turning interception uh, came on what Carson Wentz attempted to be a throwaway, which just took a fluky mm. bounce and they turn it over and score on a short field. So it was, it was a very tight game. I don't really feel any differently about the Eagles after watching this one. I like the Eagles. I like both these teams. You know, I'll give you something to be a little bit afraid of, Greg. And it looks like the Patriots got things together here. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs could be barreling towards 13-3, and three, something in that neighborhood. And you got that head-to-head matchup. That means you got to finish a game ahead of the Chiefs if they have that type of season. It's something to be wary of. I would be wary if I was the Chiefs of the four games left against the Raiders and the Broncos. This division is outstanding, and they got to play the NFC East out of division. That those games aren't easy. I'm so you say they're frauds? You I don't did, believe no, it? No, I think the saying. Chiefs are great, but you're you're going to have to be an unbelievable team to win 13 games. They whether, might be that though. Whether, whether it's the Raiders or the Chiefs or the Broncos, they all got to play each other. They can't all win 13. I think the Chiefs might be the one that does. Always what okay. I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. There's, they've, they've done nothing to prove you wrong, that's for sure. All right, let's roll. 
Look out. Look out. And he just flips it away look because out. Dick Beasley came in. It looks like bumble. it's a lot. Is it a live ball? If it is, it's going to be a touchdown. And that's going to be true fun. The Atlanta Falcons must really be good at hydrating because, Greg, there ain't no Super Bowl hangover here. Wow. How long did you work on that? Many, many hours. Matt Ryan uh, threw a touchdown pass. Devonta Freeman ran for two more. And the Atlanta Falcons toyed with the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to say it. Wow. A 34-23 win, and it wasn't that close, folks, uh, in the first game at uh, Atlanta's new home facility there. Very uh, impressive, but don't take it from me. You got three and a half hours of Chris Collinsworth telling you so. Nick Shook, um, this is a game that you thought maybe it would be a shootout, but just like the NFC Championship game, what you hoped was going to be a close game was pretty much a one-sided affair. And then you look at the stats. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Thank you. Carrie Underwood just go, coming at Shook. Carrie. That's a surprise. Does Carrie Underwood know like how well built Nick is? You, you guys just got to be careful. She's jumping in on my points like she jumps in my dreams. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> now he's now he's way off. Here we go. Go. Rogers, thirty-three for fifty, three hundred forty-three yards, two touchdowns, and it wasn't even close. Kind of a lot of garbage yardage in the last uh, quarter and yeah. a half. Well, they're they're missing their top two tackles, and then. Just to think about the players that left throughout the game, Jordy Nelson leaves early with a quad injury. Mike Daniels leaves with an injury, doesn't return. Randall Cobb leaves late. I mean, you're talking about not just starters for the Packers. You're talking about the most important players on the team, practically, other than Aaron Rodgers. So that's, that's a lot going against you on the first night in, in another team's building. I have to say, uh, because I was, you know, history told us or tells us how much teams can struggle coming off a Super Bowl. Uh, and and I really did think the Falcons would be in a tough spot and get off to a slow start. And whether you connect those two things, a lot of people say that's silly, blah, blah, blah. But they look good. I mean, maybe not as explosive as they were last season in these first two games. Uh, but this, to me, was a really good sign that the Falcons have put the Super Bowl in the rear view. This is a new season. And, and if you're a Packers fan, you're, there's part of you worried, okay, you know, are we going to have to get in a situation where we're going to have to go on a run? Is this going to be another slow start? And all of a sudden you're going to be four and six down the road, something like that. I want to get too worked up. This was a tough, tough assignment on the road on Sunday night in a new building. Well, you play the two biggest NFC powers going into the season, one at home, one on the road. You split them. You'll sign off for a split there. I don't think they get stuck in the <laughs> – Whoa. You got, <laughs> you got double dropped by the Sunday night. They were like, what do we need, Carrie? Let's put more Sunday nights in that song. I do have one follow-up question, Nick. You said that Carrie Underwood jumps in your dreams. Tell us more about that. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, she's she's a very beautiful woman who's very talented. All right. Um, That's a good answer. Yeah, good answer. I'm going to keep this straight and, you know. Yeah, continue straight. on, Nick. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> shook knocked off his game. He shook. Here's here's my point. I'm gonna shook. Go. Shook. Wait, I don't think we give enough credit to the Falcons' defense. Uh, a pass rush that's led by Vic Charlie Castro likes to call him Victor Beasley, <laughs> who had one sack tonight, but a lot right. of pressures. He was in on a lot of hits on uh, Aaron Rodgers, which forced some turnovers. And uh, overall, the Falcons playing some very opportunistic defense, which helps them come away with a big win like this. I think they're deeper on defense in terms of, you know, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell. You know, got Adrian Claiborne back, had a big hit. Looked like he wanted to take Aaron Rodgers' head off uh, late in the game. And then their offense, maybe it hasn't been quite as explosive, but their running game really struggled in week one and was 
totally back to normal with Tevin Coleman and Deon, Devontae Freeman looking great. And a very, you know what really annoys me is an overused football cliche is a quarterback was efficient. That usually means they really didn't play that well, but they won the game. Right. But Matt Ryan was efficient tonight. 28 <laughs> passes, 250 yards, spread it around, a lot of chunk plays, but didn't need to throw it. That's efficient. That's yeah. what you're looking for. And so there you go. They're 2-0, and and they go to Detroit next week. This team, I thought a good point was made on the Sunday Night Telecast that, uh, you know, they were playing on the on the real surface in Chicago. This is a different team on turf. They get to go on turf on the road at Ford Field next week. I expect them to score points. Then they come home and face the Bills. Then they get a bye week. Then they get the Dolphins. And then they go to New England uh, to pay, face the Patriots in a Super Bowl rematch, which is October 22nd, which is uh, – uh, five weeks away. So I think the the Falcons are in good position to to go into that game uh, feeling really good about themselves. And uh, this was, I would say, a, a, a very encouraging victory to beat a, an NFC superpower with ease. Well, to you know, bring it all around, this NFC South now to start the season, the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Falcons, none of them have lost the game. And it reminds me of the AFC West where none of those teams have lost. We went into the season saying these are the two best divisions in football. You're going to have to win a lot of games to win these divisions. I think it's going to be it's going to be part of the story of this NFL season. These two divisions being really the powers of their conferences. All right. So uh, that's it for the week to recap. One more game, a Monday night affair between whom are uh, Greg? The Detroit Lions and the New York Giants, and it's Ooh. a rare double lock. It's a lock-off, baby. It's a lock-on-lock crime, and the Lions are going to win it for Yeah, me. well, the crime will be against me, but the DA will drop the charges because he'll say, understandable what you did to Greg. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> okay, one quick program note, and this is important. Uh, yes, it's been long teased, uh, but beginning this Tuesday, it is time for the – Subreddit Super Contest. If uh, you are on the subreddit, around the around the NFL subreddit, uh, we're o- almost 7,000 strong now. Erica Tamposi, loose cannon behind the glass, on Sunday, on Monday morning, is going to post a, a thread on the subreddit. Um, what what are you going to be writing on that thread? Tell me tell me more, Tamposi. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm just gonna I'm gonna make the uh, title. You know, the Around the NFL subreddit, and then people are going to answer and well, reply to that. I wouldn't say make the title on the on the subreddit, Around the NFL subreddit. <laughs> I would say what you should do is say uh, subreddit super contest week one. That should be the title. You got it. And then you could write in the body of your of your thread. I'm, I'll take you through this. Thank you. Uh, if you're interested. like, I'm an editor. I'm not a writer. <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, we talked about this before the show. In the body of the post, right, if you're interested in being a contestant for week one of the super contest, um, reply to this thread. Everyone that replies is in the running for week one. Uh, the, the group, the Around the NFL group, we will pick from that group at random three names. And uh, those three people. At least the first person has a chance uh, to win the trivia contest on Tuesday. We'll go as long as it takes to find a winner. Uh, so be on the lookout on the subreddit. And guess what? You can't join unless you join the subreddit. You can't be in the running. So make sure you sign up for the subreddit if you haven't already. Tomorrow morning, West Coast time, I'd say around 10 a.m., look for an Erica Tamposi jam on there. Uh, it's going to be fun. All right. Get ready, Greg. Stan Hans is signing off for Nick Shook. Thank you, Nick, for helping us out. 
the old boss, and the loose cannon behind the glass. Sign up for the subreddit till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.